Welcome to Punches and Punchlines, where we break down the best fights with a sense of humor. And now, your hosts, Fritz and Franco. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of Punches and Punchlines. We had a great card on DAZONE, headlined by Haney and Linares, and we had an awesome card on Showtime uh, with Donier regaining his Bantamweight Championship. A lot of fun fights. Uh, let's get into it, Franco. Sounds good. Rashad Mati, 22 years old, coming in at 9-0, and versus Brian Pino, 25 years old, coming in at eight six and two now we've been keeping our eye on the albanian bear uh rashat mati for a little while now mm-hmm. uh covered a few of his fights he always has good reigning entrances with different superhero costumes uh superhero themed costumes to his uh his ring walk but the zone dropped the ball on him this time because they didn't even show his ring walk they had very low quality production <laughs> for this fight but here's what i'll say at least we got to watch it and it turned out to be a good outing for Mati. It looked like they gave him another kind of next step up in that ladder. I don't think at any point was Pino ahead on the cards. I mm-hmm. gave the first five rounds to Mati. And I think because Pino knew the only way he could win is to get the knockout. He went all out in the sixth and scored a couple good shots. So I gave Pino the the final round, but five rounds to one. This was a pretty clear cut win for Mati. Yeah, the only loss was we didn't get to see, you know, maybe he came out like the Green Lantern this time and I I had to miss it. <laughs> See, I was thinking maybe Silver Surfer. Like, I was trying to guess who he could have come out with. Because, uh, full disclosure, I was in Wisconsin this weekend up in the Wisconsin Dells and uh, was got to watch all the fights. Luckily, I could mirror my laptop onto the TV. So I was just kind of hanging out with the kids and wife and watching boxing. But this fight, I could not find at first. And so I didn't get to watch it until I came home. And it was through YouTube. So I thought I had some kind of bootleg like version of it with like some weirdos. It was some British guy, some other dudes. But it sounded like just Joe Schmo from down the street doing it. And then it wasn't until I talked to you and then you informed me. You're like, no, no, that was... That was the regular DAZN feed. Joe Schmo was uh, was busy. They got Joe Blow to do it. Um, yeah. So they had <laughs> Joe Blow. I'd say the highlight of this fight, and you saw it too, where Pino was leaning up against the ropes like, come on, bring it. And Mati went out to the center, checked his watch like, hey, man, I'm waiting for you. Let's get this shit started. You know, they were jawing back and forth, and that was probably the best part of this fight mm-hmm. is just the little bit of gamesmanship early on. But as far as boxing and the actual scorecards went, this was all Mati. Kudos to Pino for giving it his all in that final round, but it was too little too late. Yeah, I definitely think that one of my favorite things about Mati is his ring walks. So not getting that, that kind of sucked. Having to watch it through somebody's cell phone with a couple of weirdo announcers, that sucked. Like, I think that Mati has earned enough that you know just throw him on at the beginning with everyone else and and you know let him do his thing luckily it was a good card all the fights were really entertaining so having this as a pre-show like that just speaks about what the rest of the card was doing that you know we could have somebody who's talented and entertaining and and have them on like the bootleg feed on youtube but 
Otherwise, yeah, I agree. From everything that I saw, Mate was just dominating from rail to rail. He looks good. He looks strong. He didn't get the big knockout, which is one of the more entertaining things that we get to see from the Albanian bear. I think he's had, what, like six out of the last whatever? Like every time we see him, it seems like he's just rocking people's brains in. And uh, yeah, I think this was a good fight. It was entertaining, but I'm looking forward to seeing him again next time. And hopefully we get to see a ring walk with Green Lantern gear. Gary Antoine Russell, 24 years old, coming in at 13 and 0, versus Jovan Santiago, 31 years old, coming in at 14, 1 and 1. Now, I missed this fight, Franco, but I want to hear what you thought. I thought that this was way more fun of a fight than I thought it was going to be. So I'll paint the picture for you. First of all, this was at the Punch Bowl in Los Angeles, actually in Carson, California, but, you know, basically L.A. So cool venue. We've seen a couple of fights uh, from there in the past. And so that was kind of fun, but nobody was there. You weren't the only one that missed it. Yeah. Speaking of Punch Bowl. I was thinking to myself, if we had a drinking game where we had to do a shot every time they said punch bowl, I'm like, we would die of alcohol poisoning. <laughs> they kept saying it over and over and over and over and over and over. Yeah, it was it, too much. It, it was a bit much. And, you know, I started wondering, is that a name that this venue got that is kind of like here we have the Aragon ballroom, but everybody calls it the Aragon brawl room. And it's because of all the fighting in the crowd. Is that like, has it been called the punch bowl? Cause I don't remember them saying that before. According to Twitter, nobody else calls it punch bowl. They should stop <laughs> calling it that. You know? <laughs> so there was so a we'll lot of angry, a lot of angry people on Twitter going like, stop it. You're trying to create a thing and it's not a thing. Yeah. That's the only thing I could think of because of all the fights during the Andy Ruiz thing, maybe that's where it came from. But so uh, Russell comes out and Fritz, you have two daughters. Do any of them have either shirts or, or a pillow where it's like sequins and then you press in the opposite direction and yes. it flips to the opposite color. They call them flippies. Flippies. Okay, see, we don't have a name for them in our house, but that's what Russell's shorts were made out of. And it was kind of like hyper colors where it starts changing in the wrong places. So <laughs> you could tell he kept grabbing at his junk because that was silver. <laughs> Everything else was a different color. Uh, actually, it was red and gold. So his junk was gold and his ass cheeks were gold from sitting on the stool. It could be a smart move where you get two advertisers and then like the first six rounds of the fight, you know, you have it one way and then you you have your trainer flip it all for the final uh, six rounds of the fight. And then that way you can double up your money there. You're welcome, boxers. That's a great idea. There you go. The only way it would have worked, though, is if the advertisers were on his junk and on his ass, because that's the only part that got flipped, along with like three random other sequins. And then uh, Jovan Santiago, he came out. He had like a Puerto Rican straw hat, kind of a, like the little straw hats that they wear and like a Puerto Rican flag tank top. So it's like, all right, so this guy's clearly from Puerto Rico. And um, yeah, Russell looked good. He had this really slick jab that he just used the entire time. And it wasn't the only fight this weekend where we saw that. Uh, but it was cool because Russell was like fighting angry and, and it was just making it more fun. So all like 20 people that got there early, they were getting really into it. But he started swinging. Like once he saw that he had kind of draw and drew blood. Uh, he started swinging like when the big kids start swinging at the pinata, like after it's already lost like an arm and a leg. And you're just like, all right, you know, go go finish this one off, Jose. And then he goes up there with like the bat. That's kind of how he started swinging, where he's like 
all right, like I'm going to put on a show and everybody's like, here comes the big finish. But then the big kid doesn't break the pinata. <laughs> right. That that happened for a couple of rounds. And then finally in the sixth, Russell just beat his ass for the whole round. They ended up throwing in the towel between rounds and Russell ends up getting the win by TKO. He looked good. He looked slick. He didn't look as good as other people in that weight division. But, you know, he's only 24. He's coming up 13 wins, 13 knockouts. This is the 14th one because it was a TKO. So he's kind of got that whole streak going that makes him somebody who I'm looking forward to seeing. But at the end of the fight, they ask him who he wants to fight or who, you know, where he sees himself going from here. And he says, you know, Santiago, he was a good fighter today, but, you know, I, I clearly dominated and he fought against Adrian Broner last. And in that fight, a lot of people thought that Santiago maybe beat Broner. He goes, I think I fight Broner next. And they're like, oh, everybody's kind of looking around like, is he sure? Is, are you sure you want to fight? All right. I guess if that's who you're going to call out. Yeah. It's weird to call out a dude who is one, two and one in his last four fights. You know, like you usually when you get that opportunity, you call out somebody with a belt or something like that. This is like, Hey, I want to fight a guy who used to be good. You know, like yeah. <laughs> how about that? That would be wonderful if I could just take on a dude who used to be good. Uh, I don't want to take on anybody that's good right now. I just want to keep pad my record. Like it just it, that whole thing didn't make sense to me. When you told me he called out Broner, I was like, all right, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Let's talk about this fight. Yeah, well, and social media totally agrees with you. From when they posted the video clip of him calling him out, everybody's like, Broner still fights. Like, why? Why, why is he calling him out? That's so weird. But yeah. whatever he decides to do, he was a fun enough fight. Like, he's not completely polished. He's not ready for the big time yet. So to fight some old has-been for his next fight and maybe just get his name out there again? Yeah, sure. Why not? Like, he, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him again. Hopefully, we get to see him again soon. Subriel Matias, 29 years old, coming in at 16 and 1, versus Batrazan Jukumbaya, 30 years old, coming in at 18 and 0. <laughs> now, Franco, I was glad I tuned in for this fight because this was fun. Mm -hmm. If you haven't watched this fight, you should probably check it out before we you listen to our breakdown of it. I'll give you the three, two, one to get out of here. Three, two, one. <laughs> you had your chance. This got stopped by his corner after the eighth. And I'll get to what led up to that. But I was not disappointed in his corner. But I also understand the turmoil that had to been going into the corner. Our guy's undefeated, mm -hmm. you know, but he was just taking so much punishment. And, you know, his face started to swell up. And to his credit, to his corner's credit, after the sixth, they're like, hey, man, if you don't show me something, we're going to pull you out of this. And then to his credit, he went out in the seventh and he had actually wobbled Matias. You know, and I was like, oh, that, he's responding. Good for him. Yeah. But then in the eighth, Matias was like, all right, no more of that shit. Like, I, I'm going back to pummeling your face. And it was just a really heavy handed on both sides of this. Just really good, uh, you know, punches landed. And it was a great knockdown when Matias put uh, Jugabayev down in the fourth. I, I wasn't sure whether he was going to get up, but right away he started to spring up. He's like, oh, I'm in this, you know. It didn't seem to bother him that his face was starting to swell up like he got stung by a bee. The one thing you can say for sure is 
he's got some heart because he was getting hit hard and still coming back for more. So Matias really looked good. Like he was staying patient and was not, you know, like after that knockdown in the fourth, like he didn't get greedy and start swinging for the fences. He stuck to his game and was still landing his shots. And it was just really a fun, fun fight. Yeah. The way I was kind of thinking about it, like at the beginning, I had not seen either one of these guys. I know Jukim Baev was ranked. Uh, in the top 10 by like Ring Magazine, but that's really all I knew going into it. Jukembaev was just hitting harder. Like it was power, like for real power shots. And with Matias, he was just landing a million combos at once. Like he had more combos than a fast food restaurant, but it was all speed and little punches. Like not little, obviously, you know, one of those little punches would probably put me on my ass, but they weren't hitting with the same kind of power that Jukembaev's punches were hitting with. And so he just kept hitting all these little combos and they kept adding up. And then by the time that we got to that knockdown, it was almost like he was ramping up those little combos and putting more oomph on them and more power. But it was kind of like those little punches weren't really going to do a lot unless you were able to add them all up. So if Jukambayev would have knocked him out early, it, it wouldn't have mattered. You know what I mean? Like if he could have landed one of those big shots with some real gusto behind it, then, you know, maybe he would have been able to take the fight earlier. It was kind of like the old question, which would you rather fight? A hundred tiny horses or one giant duck? With Matias being the hundred little tiny horses just clomping away. And then with Jukambayev being the one giant duck. Is that an old question? I've never heard that before in my life. You've never heard that one? No, a hundred horses or a giant duck? You really, you've never heard that question? Yeah, I, I'm going to Google it. I think you're making it up. That, <laughs> that is that like a soccer thing that I, I don't know about? Is that like uh, only people that are Mexican and Japanese know that one? Because I've never heard that one in my life. I didn't hear that till I went to Oakland with all the white people. I figured, oh, it. <laughs> Well, here's my question then. Which one would you rather fight? A hundred horses or one giant like dinosaur sized duck? Well, not dinosaur sized. I think it was a horse sized duck or a hundred little mini horses like the size of ducks. I'm going to go with uh, fighting the duck. Fighting the one big duck. So yeah, because they don't that, have teeth. All those little horses will bite you. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that, and it worked out. That's how this fight worked out where Matias the hundred little horses ended up adding up and, and being the big win at the end of it. Like those combos at the beginning looked like nothing. It was like little pity pat stuff. But by the time we got into like the fifth and the sixth, they looked really painful in the fourth. I mean, it, it, it was a lot. It, it really did start putting the pain on him. I agree with you that he did start to finish his combinations a little stronger, you know, as the fight went on and it was not a defensive clinic by any stretch of the imagination, no. <laughs> uh, but it was certainly fun to watch. If I'm Jukumbayev's, uh camp, I, I don't even let him throw punches in his next sparring session. Like he just has to work on defense <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, come back stronger. And I, I hope I get to see both of these guys because they were a fun, you know, a fun couple fighters yeah it was almost like their joy-con controllers were broken and only stuck in forward because both dudes just kept like slamming straight into each other going literally going head to head like putting their heads together and right. just beating the crap out of each other and they weren't going around each other it was like they were trying to plow through each other maybe you know 
take a duck to the side, like like old school punch out, hit left, hit right, and and duck to the sides. Instead, they just kept plowing into each other. But if anything, that might have made this fight more entertaining because both dudes were taking so much damage. And the stoppage at the end, I can't really argue with it. Like he looked like Jean Claude Van Damme at the end of the Kumite when they throw the dust in his eyes and he's blinded. Like his eyes were so swollen and puffy, he could barely see where he was going so i mean the stoppage sucks if anything i would love to see a rematch of this i'm yeah. sure they don't want it but i would love to see it he was so puffy they had to change his name to sean combs uh <laughs> now i know who sean combs is but, <laughs> but the younger listeners might know who who uh, maybe you could fill them in on who uh sean combs is uh you know the creator of sean john little p diddy i i think i have heard of the rapper Martin Ward, 29 years old, coming in at 24, 1 and 2 versus Azinga Fazule, 24 years old, coming in at 14 and 1. Now, this I thought was a really close fight, Mm -hmm. Franco, until, you know, Ward blew a tire or whatever was going on with that leg. Yeah. You know, like it was kind of back and forth, but I had it going like, you know, 10-9, then, you know, the 10-8 round came in the mm-hmm. fourth, you know, where he had that flash knockdown, but he, he got hit with a good, clean shot. You know, Azinga hit him with a nice shot coming in. He's been a little over aggressive and landed that shot right on his chin mm-hmm. where you could see on his face like, ah, that hurt. But ah, shit, he caught me, you know, being a little too over aggressive. You know, I was I was almost happy that this fight ended in a knockout. So I didn't have to hear the term shoulder roll again in this broadcast. They said shoulder roll in this broadcast almost as much as they said punch bowl in the other one. Again, if you had the drinking game during this fight, next time we see a Zinga Fazil fight, we'll have to have the shoulder roll. Or anytime the announcers say shoulder roll, we'll have to do a shot of tequila. We will not be walking out of that spot without vomiting. I'm sure of it. Or I wonder what the South African like liquor of choices. You know what I mean? I know they have a lot of wine down there, but maybe one of our listeners can fill me in. That could be our shot. Like, oh, you got to drink the... I I have nothing like yeah, I have no idea what the never been to Africa or South Africa and uh maybe we'll just do like a, a south side drink. We gotta do car bombs now every time they there say you. shoulder roll. Car bombs are malort. <laughs> <laughs> But both sound like they would hurt me. But uh, yeah, I, I I like the drinking game idea. You know, what I didn't like was the uh, lame entrances. Like this felt like they just took the stuff from when they were doing like all the bubble fights and everything, like all the COVID fights with the little video boards. And they just rehashed the same stuff that we've been seeing in empty venues. They're like, no, nah, like, let's get some more use out of it. Let's put it in front of a bunch of people. You could barely hear the music. The production wasn't that great. It was kind of like Martin Ward came out to Little Wayne and I could kind of hear it, but it took me a little bit to figure out what exactly is going on. I have no idea what Fusile came out to, but I did appreciate his Cisco hair, like his blonde was very short <laughs> yeah. and then dyed super, super blonde. And I actually got like a little bit confused. His stance was super wide. Like he would fight with his feet, like really, really far apart, almost like he was riding a little pony. And then I was like, Oh, like the pony song. But then I was like, I don't think, I don't think Cisco sang that song. And then I'm like, was it Usher? And then I had to ask my wife. She's like, I know what song you're talking about, but I have no idea who the hell sang it. Genuine genuine with a g in case you were wondering fritz that's mm. who say 
but, but I was hoping I could tie the hair together with the weird riding a little pony stance thing. That's about the only negative thing I could say about Fusile. I thought he looked really good once the fight got rolling for a couple rounds. Like this started off really slow to where the crowd was booing because nobody was really doing anything. But I had Ward taking the first like three rounds. And then once that fourth came around and they really ramped it up and uh, Fusile put him down. Even though it was a flash knockdown, you could see him starting to step it up. Uh, people are probably like, oh, you just talked about Matias and you didn't mention his hair. Like that, you know, he came in with the nice blonde that he looked like uh, Wesley Snipes out of Demolition Man. You know, so yeah. <laughs> it's funny that in the next fight that we were in, we got the uh, the Cisco going on. You know, some people can wear it and some people you just look like you should be dancing around thongs in a, in a 90s video. Yeah, everybody with hair I'm jealous of. So I'm I'm not making fun of it. I'm just uh pointing out the obvious. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, once once it got going and and they really both guys really ramped it up, it kind of sucked that like it looked like Fusile was gonna kind of close the door on this. In the sixth, he landed some really big shots that you could see really hurt Ward. And so you're waiting for that seventh and you're like, oh my God, like here's where he closes it out. And then I thought Ward cramped up like he pulled a hammy or something. Right. But then they had ice on his knee. So I hope it's not an ACL or something really serious. That would suck. Yeah, because he was not moving that leg afterwards, you know, like no, you know, he wasn't a ballerina before that, but he was able to move his bottom half after he made that, like just a real misstep where they're like, oh, what was that? You know, I wasn't sure whether he had stepped on the other guy's foot. It looked just really weird, but you could see he was not moving after that. Yeah. And, you know, you knew the end was near afterward. It was it was a weird, not not a weird stoppage. It made sense. Like this was one, this was one where for sure 100, 100% it should have got stopped because once he heard it, he did get knocked down. And when he got up, he barely got up. Like he was literally using the ropes like a ladder to climb right. up and get back to his feet. Sucks because he was putting in a pretty good performance up until that four. I, you know, had he not hurt his leg, who knows? But at the same time, you know, he, he couldn't finish at the end of the day. You know, it sucks, but that's part of, of how this all goes. So, you know, props to Fusile and uh, hopefully we get to see both these guys again, because I thought this was a really entertaining fight. Jason Quigley, 30 years old, coming in at 18 and one versus Shane Mosley Jr. 30 years old, coming in at 17 and three. <laughs> Now, I'd say the story of this fight, Franco, is this is actually an old saying that not uh, like the one you made up earlier. Uh, <laughs> patience is a virtue, but I think that Mosley just proved to be too patient in this fight. Mm. And not often I, I don't have a gripe with the judges, but I'm going to say that I had it the same way uh, a couple of the judges had it. I had it 96-94 for Ooh. Quigley. I think that they got this one right. I just think that Quigley or Mosley was just a little too patient and wasn't aggressive enough. And I was actually pleased when I saw the final punch stats that, you know, it was just Quigley ahead by a little bit. I think that it was a super close fight, but I also, you know, I can't, I wouldn't even have been mad at a draw, mm -hmm. but I thought that Quigley won, but there was a couple of the rounds that were so close that it was like kind of a coin flip to me that even if you had it going 96-94 for Mosley, I couldn't be mad at you. I had it the uh, same as Max DeLuca, which was 95-95. I did score it as a draw, but that last final, final round, 
I was leaning a little bit towards Mosley and was kind of like, you know, if I was to score just that round all by itself, I would give it to Mosley Jr. But, you know, that that's how it should be scored. But also in my mind, I'm like, eh, I kind of want to give it to Quigley because I feel that this fight should be a draw, which that's not how you're supposed to score at all. But if I were, that's how I would have scored it. So if anything, Mosley would have ended up 96-94 in my book. And, you know, that's how I had him scored. I don't know. It was It was a weird, not even a weird fight. Like you said, it was close, but quickly, first of all, dude came in and already had a black eye from his sparring session. So that was kind of like, you can't already look like you got your ass beat before the fight even starts. But, you know, I get it. Stuff like that kind of happens. And then Shane Mosley Jr. comes in and he's got orange and blue on. And at first I was like, oh, how cool as for Dragon Ball Z. And then I'm like, or it could be the Knicks. And I'm like, if it's the Knicks, I'm rooting against him and he can eat a bag of dicks. But if it's for Dragon Ball Z, then I might be pulling for him. Maybe it was the Mets. Who? They're the exact same color scheme. Who, who are the Mets? I don't even. Nah. Is that, uh, <laughs> are they in that other baseball league? The one that I just try not to pay attention to. Yeah, it's. um. I don't know. The orange and blue was apparently popular this weekend because we saw it on multiple guys. And yeah, I I really thought that this was a draw or should have gone towards Mosley Jr. Quigley, I don't know. I felt like they were giving him the benefit of the doubt on so many things. Like when he punched Mosley Jr. square in the dick, they're like, oh, it was accidental. And then they showed the replay and I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. That that was accidental. Well, he was getting pushed down when it happened. So if you're going to keep throwing while the guy's pushing down, like I get how that can happen. And I thought really the difference in this was the hook for Quigley Mm -hmm. was landing solid. And he seemed to be able to go to that well whenever he wanted to. Like he was landing the left hook, not at will, but it was there a lot. Yeah. See, I didn't have Quigley even taking a round until the sixth. But then after that, I had him taking like the vast majority, like he took all the rounds after that to me, except for that 10th. I was a little bit not sure about what the one thing that I did love was the seventh round. Like to me, anybody who hasn't seen it, you could just fast forward uh, on DAZN right to that seventh round because both dudes were just going at it. And it was like super entertaining. They just both of them threw caution to the wind and were just beating the hell out of each other. And then like the bell rung and both dudes are actually, no, no, no. Was that in the 10th? Yeah, no, that was at the 10th. That was at the end of the fight where both guys just kept going. Again, another entertaining round at the end of the fight. The bell rings. Both guys keep swinging at each other. And then they stop like after a couple of punches and then they hugged it out. And I'm just like, that's awesome sportsmanship. That's showing that they had their hearts in it. And then for it to, you know, be a draw uh, or not be a draw. I want to see this fight again. Quigley like broke down crying and then was like, oh, I want to draw and blah, blah. No, I want to see this fight again so that I can get a definitive finish to it. I feel like it was too close. We've seen Mosley Jr. in the past and weren't impressed. But this time around, I feel like he was so much more impressive to me. I don't know. I liked both guys. What do you think? Where should they go from here? Um, I like that Quigley called out a, a guy with a belt instead of uh, a guy that used to be good. That seems to <laughs> at least make sense to me. And I wouldn't mind seeing this as a rematch because, like I said, it, a couple of the rounds were so close that I could see your scorecard being right. I scored at 96-94 for Quigley. It was just a super fun, uh, like entertaining, close fight. How about this? Not super fun. I, I won't throw that around too often. It was a fun, entertaining, close fight. 
Chantel Cameron, 30 years old, coming in at 13 and 0. Versus Melissa Hernandez, 41 years old, coming in at 23, 7 and 3. Now, this was the weird stoppage that we've come to expect from every weekend of boxing, Franco. Yeah. This was Cameron landed an overhand right in the, uh, what, are, what did this end in the seventh? Fifth. Fifth. The ref stepped in after that. It was almost like the ref stepped in, like when like a big sister and a younger sister are fighting and they let, you know, like a, the parents let it go on for a little bit. They're, they're just fed up with it. They're like, all right, enough of this shit. You know, like, <laughs> I don't think Hernandez was hurt by that overhand, right? But I also think the ref was just tired of seeing her kind of get uh, manhandled. You know, she got knocked down. She was, she had heart, you know, like, I could see that she, how she could win 23 fights. I could see that, all right? Mm-hmm. She had some boxing skill, but I also could see at 41 how she lost seven fights as well. Like, there was definitely holes in her game. Cameron, just look like solid at everything, you know, like mm-hmm. her, her combinations were good. Her defense was good. Her footwork was good. Like she looked like she was really a complete fighter. Now I've not seen her before. So, you know, maybe when she steps up in competition, she looks less complete, but on this night, she just looked like the complete package of doing everything well. Yeah. Her jab was gorgeous. Like her jab was so clean and sharp. And, you know, I'd love to say, so she did have a six inch, height advantage over Hernandez. It looked like even more than that. Yeah. Well, but at least she took advantage of it and she did it well. We've seen other taller fighters that don't keep people at bay with that jab. And she did, I thought, a phenomenal job in this fight. Now, I was kind of rooting against Hernandez from the get-go and so was the rest of my family. I told you we were in Wisconsin and uh, the wife and kids were around. And so when they saw this one, um, you know, they were all playing on their phones and reading books and and whatnot. And so finally I had to get their attention. I'm like, will you look at this lady? I'm like, tell me that that isn't like somebody's overserved Tia making it down to the ring. Like she was putting off the the drunk Tia vibes all the way down to the ring. And she's she was smiling and she's dancing. And Hernandez is like, now I know what a Tia is, Franco, but for... <laughs> Our only uh, single language friends out there. Can you explain to them what the Tia is? So a Tia is an auntie, uh, an aunt uh, or aunt, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Uh, basically your mother or father's sister. And um, but in Spanish and in uh, yeah Latino communities, you know, it's aunties and Tias and actually just in general, I guess in any family, a lot of times they're loud and uh, a little bit rambunctious. That's kind of how Hernandez was making her way down to the ring. And and even when they went to go shake up, like before the fight, she wouldn't make eye contact. And it was like, ah, I don't care about this bitch. Blah. Like she couldn't. She was six inches too short. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even face her. Like it was so disrespectful. And so then the fight starts three big punches in. And her big cheesy grin just slowly faded away. It was like, oh no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my ass beat. And she did. Like Cameron just whooped her ass for two minutes straight. And with that height differential, tell me if I'm right or wrong on this one. My first thought, Legolas versus Gimli. Huh. That's it was like this little angry dwarf against this tall, statuesque, beautiful. <laughs> It was it was so goofy, the height differential. And then yeah, just the whole fight. Cameron is just dominating, whooping the hell out of her. And the whole time I'm thinking, we're just going to see either an awesome knockout or they're just going to step in and stop it at some point. But then when it did, I was pissed. 
That really was the most god-awful stoppage. It, it was a joke. And if anything, my first thought was like, oh, this feels kind of sexist. Like they're just stopping it because they're women and she's getting her ass beat. But then, you know, a few seconds later, I'm like, no, this might be ageist. Like Hernandez is 41 years old. The last horrible stoppage like this that we saw was with uh, Takayama last week. And that one, you know, he was an older fighter, but who was still hanging in there and still giving it lots of right. heart. Is that why, you know, is that a thing where there may be like, uh, you know, you've been around a little bit too long and your brain is a little bit mushier. We're going to step in and stop it. Old man slash woman. I'd hate to compare those fights, though, because Takayama was at least showing signs of being in it like this. <laughs> looked i think the boredom factor really got to the referee he's like all right this is i've gotten to the halfway point of this that's all i can take cut it out yeah and it, like gave her like ruffle up her hair get out of here you <laughs> you little scamp right. <laughs> hit her on the with a broom on the way out the door right yeah uh if anything i think that this might have been a good introduction for us to cameron to the viewers absolutely uh, I'm looking forward to seeing her again. And it's just one more name in the women's division that we're excited to see. And that's always a bonus. Nordine Ubali, 34 years old, coming in at 17 and 0 versus Nonito Donaire, 38 years old, coming in at 40 and 6. Franco, this was really a get out of your seat kind of fight. Early on, I thought, you know, Obale was really kind of sticking to a good game. You know, early on, this only lasted four rounds, so there wasn't yeah. a lot of early on. <laughs> but in the first few minutes of the fight, I was like, oh, he's got a good plan. And I don't know what the height difference was on this, but Donier looked so much bigger than Ubali to me like in watching this the second time through I'm like maybe maybe it's just because I knew how the outcome was gonna go yeah on the second time that I'm like wow he just looks bigger than him I don't know did you think that the second knockdown in the third did you think that that was after the bell in live action what did you think in live action I thought it was after the bell okay now, they said that it was before the bell. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, it was either at the bell or after. But it definitely was not before the bell. Right. The only thing I could think of is like in basketball, where as long as the guys release the ball before the clock runs out, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. Where maybe he had already started to throw the punch before the bell rang and then connected. I, I don't know. But it was either way, it was really close. Um, and I think that the ref almost thought that he fucked it up because at the end of that third round, you know, after that second knockdown, he did not know where he was. And mm -hmm. well, Obale looked lost. You know, when he got up from that, he was like, all right, uh, give me your hands. Walk toward me again. He's like, ah, I let this dude get hit after the bell. I can't call him out of the fight now. Like, yeah, I better yeah, go yeah. give him a minute to recoup. You know, it was really close. Like in, in real time. It was super close. But then also, you know, on replay, you're like, ah, it was probably right after the bell. So like I get I'm not shitting on the ref for it because in real time, I thought that it was really close or right at the bell. But then in that in that fourth, he came out again and almost looked like he was toying with him, you know, like a cat who was toying with an injured mouse. Mm -hmm. Like that's how Donier looked to me. And he, you know, was landing a combination, then snuck that uppercut in and just crumpled them, you know, to the yeah. floor, like an accordion folding up. Yeah, it was, it was rough. You know, Bali came in as the champion and 17 and 0. And they kept saying like, oh, father time has, you know, been defeated by Donier. You know, Bali's 34. It's not like there yeah. was this <laughs> 10 year age. Difference. They're only four years apart. 
I thought Daenerys looked great. And uh, man, I can't wait to watch that dude fight again. There was a lot of weird stuff. And some of the confusion I feel like kind of came from the announcers. And, you know, I thought that by this point in the night, they were doing a good job. You know, everything was rolling. They were uh, saying punch bowl a lot, which I know you love that so much. Oh, yeah, it was great. And you're probably like doing the wave every time they said it. (laughs) But when that knockdown happened right at or after the bell, Obali got up. Clearly, you know, his head was foggy and he had definitely had his bell rung. You know, he wasn't completely sure. But the ref also kept telling, he's like, okay, now go to this corner. Now go to this corner. Now, And so Ovali, you know, come forward, go back, come forward, try it again. And Ovali's kind of like, eh, Francais? like, like maybe it was a language thing because even I started getting confused. He did send him to the wrong corner. And then he's like, all right, now go to your corner. Go. And Ovali's like, this one, this yeah, one. Yeah, he's like, like, you just told me to go to the wrong spot. It looked like I... Uh, I wouldn't have been shocked with as foggy as I thought he looked if he went to one of the corners and just peed. Like, (laughs) (laughs) he's just like, oh, wait, I'm I'm still in the fight. Okay. Spits on the ref. (laughs) This is what I think of. Lights up a cigarette. You're like, how did you even do that with your gloves on? (laughs) I don't know. That whole thing was super confusing, but that knockdown was so brutal and so hard that when the fourth came around, you're kind of like, well, of course it's about to be over. And that wasn't the only knockdown. It's not like there was just this one, you know, little whatever. Uh, Donaire had been landing a bunch of big shots. Obali was the one doing more work. But then in that third, Obali did go down. He did pop up right away. Like he didn't go down all the yeah, way. There was the two knockdowns. I mean, well, the one before the one way before the bell. Yeah. And then one at the bell. So it's not like he was, you know dominating or whatever it's he, he was already kind of getting worked so when that fourth happened and donair finished him off with a minute left in the round it was cool not just because he got to finish him off and it wasn't another towel while the guy's in the corner kind of a finish but also there were so many filipinos in that crowd that you would have thought it was being fought in the philippines you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that was and he is the filipino flash And that when that crowd erupted at the end, kind of made it more fun. You know, like it's cool when the crowd is clearly behind one fighter over the other, no matter how shitty that might be. It's still fun to have like good guy, bad guy kind of a situation as far as the crowd goes. So when that roar came up at the end, that just kind of made it a little bit more fun. And, you know, like he wants a rematch with Inoue, which I think would be wonderful. I saw their first fight. I think it was part of the World Boxing Super Series. Mm-hmm. And God, what a fun fight that was. That kind of introduced me to Inouye because I had followed Donair, uh before that. Uh, you know, just a, a few of his fights. But uh, I think instead of fighting Inouye, like I think it would be great if he fought Frank Sanchez. And yeah. then, uh, you know, there can only be one flash, all right? Like ah. the Cuban flash versus the Filipino flash. Sure, I get it that one's a heavyweight and one weighs, you know, is a bantamweight. But I don't care. Throw that out. Like, let's see it happen. What is this? The original UFC? <laughs> <laughs> like, you just got giant dudes against little dudes. But you know what? Sometimes the little dudes won. I would be willing to watch. Don Hare might be too fast for him. I don't know. That would. Both guys are uh, a million years old. So we'd have that going. For us to, <laughs> you know, they say Frank Sanchez is younger. But, eh, we, you know, we'll see. Now, I couldn't keep track because they kept talking about his age. Is Don Hare now the oldest active champ i know he's the oldest uh to hold the belt at that at um, weight, weight class right. 
but is he overall the oldest? I don't know. I think I think he might be, which that was kind of a cool, you know, that was another thing. Uh, but like you said, he's only 38. They were making it sound like he was, you know, 53. And it's kind of right. like, oh, slow down on the old, like, oh, you know, father time. Oh, you know, death. He escapes death again. It's like, right. bro, he's only 38 and he still looks great. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to not only seeing him again, but seeing where this goes. If he fights anyway, I think that would be super fun and entertaining. Jorge Linares, 35 years old, coming in at 47 and 5, versus Devin Haney, 22 years old, coming in at 25 and 0. <laughs> to put this fight in a nutshell, Franco, I'd say Linares looked good mm-hmm. and Haney looked better. Early on in this fight, Haney was kind of controlling the pace and, you know, was really doing well. And I'd say those last two, three rounds, Linares really started to pour it on. One point, if the the round was three minutes and 15 seconds, I think he would have dropped Haney because uh, his legs were buckling like a marionette on his way back to yeah. to his corner. To his credit, he took the shot and did not go down, you know, mm-hmm. so kudos to his chin because we know Linares can hit hard. You know what I thought too? Like this was a 12-round fight. It looked like to me Linares could have gone another 12, you know, like he still looked like he was fresh and you know at 35 years old uh he still got it haney definitely definitely won this i i was happy that the the cards were close because at no point did i think linares was out of this fight i just mm-hmm. thought that haney was the, clearly the better fighter in in those 12 rounds yeah i had haney taking a lot of the early rounds he was just so dominant with his jab like it was so fast and so slick, but also his head movement was great. Like Linares was trying to land really powerful shots. You said it. We know that he can really lay one on somebody. And he did lay him on, you know, in, in that 10th round with that shot you were talking about. You saw the look on his face where he was just like, oh. it was like the Ooh. cartoons when the guy <laughs> is drunk and he straightens up and then like his knees don't bend anymore as he teetered back. If they would have been able to go a little bit longer, might have been able to finish him off. But Haney in the beginning of that fight was just so clearly dominant. And it was an entertaining fight. Like there was a lot of back and forth but mm-hmm. i was still giving the majority of the rounds to haney i did have it scored 112 116 in favor of haney once you know the fight got a little bit later i gave a lot of the rounds to linaris but the thing that everybody was talking about was the hugging at the end of the fight and i was watching it on a little bit of a delay so i did have stuff popping up in my feed where i was glancing at it and um it didn't seem as bad as everybody was making it out to be like, well, the final two rounds were kind of a hug fest, Mm -hmm. but when you're up on the cards by that much, why not go into survival mode? It was a lot of guys that don't like Haney that were just shitting on him where, you know, if he had knocked him out, they would have shit on him too. being like, Oh, you knocked out a has been like, you know, there's no way for him to win on some of those guys. I like both of these fighters. Uh, I want to see Haney actually fight the guy at lightweight that I think is the, the undisputed champion. Like I would love to see him fight team Fima Lopez, mm-hmm. but this was, I think his first fight against a legit lightweight and he passed the test, you know, like Sure, he had to go into survival mode the last two rounds to get it, but he still got it. Hey, if you don't like him, I'm not going to try to convince you to like Devin Haney, but he is a really good fighter, and I just want to see him continue to raise the level of his competition. Like, the fight against Gamboa, I thought was garbage. Maybe he was playing down to his competition. This fight, he was, you know, playing up to his competition because 
he looked good in this fight. And I'm a bigger Lenares fan than I am a Haney fan. And I still am smart enough to say Lenares lost this fight. You know, it, I don't know if you saw the post-fight stuff too, where, you know, he was class. He went over to his dressing room and, you know, said, congrats. Thanks for the opportunity for the fight, you know, and it was Lenares is all class. And, yeah. you know, Haney is 22 years old. And I think we got some really good stuff in the future from him. Yeah, I saw two different post-fight things there was the one in the ring and then there was the one in the locker room which also makes sense because you know you're still in fight mode and everything but in the ring Lenaris went up to him because they asked Haney they're like do we get a rematch or are you looking for somebody else and blah 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 and he's like "Ah, I don't know about a rematch you know these are the possible fights that I'm looking at and so Lenaris's corner kind of took exception to that they went Lenaris went up to him and he's like no rematch you don't want it blah 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 so he starts kind of running his mouth at him and so then Haney started running his mouth back at him and then the corners like got involved and it became a thing in the ring but once they calmed down and they went into the locker room that's where that other interview happened where they were just they were cool with each other and they kind of you heard them not apologize but be like hey you know forget about what i was talking about out there let's talk hey he's like yeah it's part of the game you know yeah so it it was fine and i do want to see both guys again once that punch happened in the 10th round that to me is kind of what triggered the hug fest so people that are crapping on it it's like he knew he was up he knew that you know he just needed to buy himself a little bit of time to get his feet back under him he did that the hugging in the 11th only lasted about 30 to 45 seconds and then the rest of the round was them beating the hell out of each other so people that were like crapping on that part of it i don't don't even know why you would be complaining unless you're looking to complain yeah they they got their notebook out for the fight and they're like all right where are the things that devin's gonna do that i could shit on yeah i'm not i'm like i said before i'm not trying to convince anybody to be a fan of his he's not my favorite fighter but he is a fighter that i like to watch and i'll continue to watch his fights now the thing that everybody also was talking about is who's next who's next and everybody kept saying ryan garcia so here's my official statement on ryan garcia versus devin haney until ryan garcia is quote unquote healthy enough to fight he doesn't exist. Right. Strip him of everything. Yet, you know, that's who Haney was supposed to fight. I'm glad he fought Lenaris. I thought this was the perfect fight for him at his age and for like the next step up. But Ryan Garcia, why are we still talking about this dude? He's too sad to box right now. He's inactive right now. Right. So, and then Ryan Garcia posted a video of the fight saying, oh, I would have slept this dude. I would have slept this. You would, why are you talking? Go back to making YouTube videos and hanging out with like, you know, Hollywood elite. You don't exist in right. this world until you're healthy enough to fight. So then that means who do we, who do we get to see him fight next? Do we see uh tank? Do we see Teofimo? See, I would like to see those two go up against each other more than I would like. I don't think Haney is quite ready for either one of those two. But if that fight can't be made, then I think he's a perfect guy to kind of squeeze right in there. Yeah, Teofimo Lopez has said that uh, he, after the Cambosos fight, if he gets through that, that he's going to fight Haney next. Okay, yeah, if that ends up being the fight, I'll definitely be tuning in. Looking forward to it. So thanks for joining us, everybody, on this week's adventures, this week's edition of Punches and Punchlines. We had some fun in Carson, California, had some fun in Las Vegas, Nevada. Next week, I think we got a week off because uh, Dubois is fighting, but I don't think they're showing it here in the States. So uh, that's uh, that was the only boxing on next weekend. And I don't get uh, I don't uh, 
we're not going to be able to cover it. So if you got uh, some something uh, highlights of the Dubois fight, let me know because I'd like to I'd like to hear about it. Yeah, I don't think there's any real boxing other than that. That's the only real boxing next weekend. So that is for certain. Yeah, so if we're able to get the Dubois fight, you know, maybe we'll have a short show on that one. But otherwise, that would be the only possibility. If we're not able to get it, then we'll just take the week off and we'll see everybody the following week. Where I'll have live ringside results from uh, the Shakur Stevenson fight on June 12th in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah, I will be looking for you in the crowd for sure. Uh, definitely listening for you yelling nonsense. Uh, hopefully you don't get kicked out of the arena, though, while you're there. Thank you for listening to Punches and Punchlines. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment, and we'll see you again next week when we break down the best fights with a sense of humor.